Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast. Today we have Brody Meyer, who's uh, one of the co-founders of Fuse Me. Brody, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Why don't we start with a quick pitch for Fuse Me? Cool. So I think the best way to pitch Fuse Me is kind of our story where we first started, and it's usually how I run through it with people. Fuse Me is a replacement for business cards and resumes. And it started with this theory that if you constrain two people to meet face-to-face initially, it's going to turn into a more genuine relationship and a more effective network long-term. Effective meaning it's going to turn to jobs, internships, new business. The way we put that theory into a mobile application is the only way you can connect or fuse with somebody is if you hold your phone next to their phone. So they're constrained to meeting face-to-face. Well, we, the first like application of our application happened to be at college career fairs. Butler, I went to Butler University, studied economics there. I went to IU, Purdue through IUPUI, studied mechanical engineering. Anyway, at Butler, they, the career service team let us try it out at a career fair. All the students came in with Fuse Me on their phones, and all the employers came in with Fuse Me on their phones. And instead, instead of the students handing over a paper resume, they, held, they walked into the fair, held their phone next to the employer's phone at each booth, and fused. Fusing gave that employer access to the student's resume, contact information, etc. They could take notes on that student right there about the conversation. And it started to, you know, we saw at our first event, it went pretty well. Well, afterwards, um, we started tracing that data and seeing, you know, are we proving this effective network? Is this actually working? And after the first career fair, there was a 59% follow-up rate from employers of students and a 47% follow-up interview rate. Now, we gave this data back to Butler. They were like, this is awesome. Um, Let's keep trying it and rolling it out at other events on campus. And we honestly, we were kind of shocked at the results that that we got because, again, it was just a theory initially, but went pretty well. From there, we started to scale out to other small schools around um, Indiana, pitched it at the CCCC career services little group and some of the career service teams really liked it and picked it up like we tried it at Wabash, Franklin, University of Evansville, just schools in that in that organization. And it kept rolling, kept rolling and we we didn't really we couldn't find a way to make money with it because it was a free mobile app. Um, we started giving we started giving universities data reports and the data was really interesting because it, it shows you how well students are sharing their resume, how well they're connecting with these employers, if they're following up or not. I thought, okay, this is a way for us to generate some revenue because it's data they never received. Found out pretty quickly that career service teams don't really have the budgets per se to you know, cr- help us create a sustainable business, which is really frustrating initially um, because we put all of our power and time into building out these data reports. And I mean, we were kind of just out on our luck. Something pretty cool happened about four months ago, though. These employers that kept seeing it at career fairs around the state, you know, they found some value in it using the free app. And we got a phone call from a recruiter over at Geico. And they had 
four recruiters that were that had used it and seen it in the past at the different colleges, whatever. And they said, um, you know, this is cool, but how do we aggregate all of the fuses or all the student resumes into one nice platform? And we said, well, we can build that. Uh, would you pay for it? You know, and I mean, that was the start of we think we have something here that we can actually build a business around. We got a bunch of different employer partners on around the city this summer. My brother moved in to our house and we started building out this platform called the Fuse Me Bucket. Um, we call it the bucket because the bucket, the bucket. Yes. Uh, we call it the bucket because you send your recruiters out. They fuse with students and then those fuses go into your bucket. So <laughs> you're filling up your bucket with um, it's not flattering if you're the student. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but filling up your bucket. Since then, we started to generate a lot of interest from employers looking for talent, other universities around the state um, that were this week. I have six meetings with big, big universities. So hopefully we can start to scale the bigger ones. And then on the employer side, we're figuring out this, this sales process. Um, it's taken a little bit of time, but starting to start to move. We just got um, TechPoint on as a client. And Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Learning how to work through the, the contracts and our, the first one we sent over there, it was terrible and they tore it apart and we had a, we had to stay up pretty late to try to figure out, you know, what all the issues they had with it in order to fix and then give it back. And uh, we work with Al over there, Fran Merillat. It was really cool. Um, they've been awesome since the beginning. Al has used it at career fairs and this year I'm really excited to see how they use it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at. We actually we raised a round of uh, funding this summer as well. Once we knew that we were going to start to bring in some customers, and we pulled on after actually talking to Mike about a lot about how to go about finding investors and things of that nature. He was really instrumental in teaching us not who to go after essentially, but strategically how to approach finding you know financiers. And all we have 10 investors and all 10 of them are very strategic and their networks are large. And that was our goal to find people that could really not just help us with capital, but to help us expand our network and to grow the business. Awesome. Yeah. That's our long-winded story. You actually hit the second part, which is current status. You gave a ton of current status on there. So I don't even think I need to ask that. That's a a great story. Real quick. What is it? mean to fuse so like what is actually happening behind the scenes when a fuse occurs is it just a like a pdf resume from the student going to whoever they're fusing with and then the ability to take notes and stuff like that or what what is within the network that's being built out so fusing is actually we wanted to maintain the cloud-based component to um, our technology so that anytime a student updates their resume or contact information, it updates on the employer's end. The way that we do that is instead of it being actual transferring of information, there is the fusing piece kind of grants you access to that person. I don't know how deep I can go into the technical process of it because we actually just found out that it's patentable. <laughs> so nice. we're, we're working through a provisional patent right now. And 
really excited. I got, I was very pumped out. We had no, we had no idea. We knew it was, it's all my, my brother built out the, the fusing technology and I mean, years ago and in our house and we didn't know it would ever get to this point. We just thought, you know, we just got to keep building out the business, but it seems like we're going to be able to, we'll have some IP as well. Cool. Awesome. All right. We won't pick up that anymore then. Connection technology, pivoting to large employers to help them with their college recruitment processes. Current status, just landed a couple of key accounts, active in the sales process, closed around the funding. How many fuses have occurred on the platform? Do you know that? I don't know total amount of fuses, but I know the last event we did was an Indiana internet event with Mike Slocum. And there was 500 unique fusing experiences at that event. So it was a, it was, I mean, it was a pretty good one. I, I don't know if that was our best one. I, I think a, there's been some career fairs that had a lot more, but for the amount of people there, there was like a hundred percent adoption rate and it was off. Dude, that's legit. Nice. Cool. Interesting that going into a event like that, you could get, you could actually get everybody to download the app in advance. How do you do that? So it starts with, we have, some pretty good marketing materials for an organization to explain what it is real simply. Those don't always, those aren't the kicker. Those don't really convert to downloads right away. It just informs people. And then once the event begins, we have a kind of our own little process at these events to make sure that it, it happens. And once other people start seeing fusing occur, downloads just, it's like a little bit of a, virality in a physical space. So we're seeing some virality with watching people go around infusing and they say, oh, what the heck was that? <laughs> Download, good to go and they're fusing. Nice. We're off to the races. So you're physically at all the events? Not all of them. Some of them, which is not scalable. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yeah. But one thing that we're learning is that the more that we're doing these like unscalable things, to figure out the every step of the way, it's it's allowing us to figure out what is scalable in those pro in that process, and we're getting to a more refined approach where we don't we're not even worried when an event starts to come up. We know exactly how to handle it, the pieces that we don't need to do, the pieces that we do need to do, and it's a continual refinement of that that process. It's very uh, masters of scale the, yes, idea. Yeah, well yeah. said. <laughs> that's yeah, that, that's a read off or. Uh, uh, what was it? Chesky Airbnb. I think yeah. they were talking about unscalable yeah, yeah. things. It was in that episode that they they laid that out. Yeah. All right. When you think of competitors for Fuse Me, who or what comes to mind? It initially was anything with any sort of um, networking capability: Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the all the above. Until we started to really hone in on being that in person networking application, which all of those platforms, I believe, has have something. I know LinkedIn has one, an in-person ap application to it. But so basically, we're, we're looking at competitors that do events that stimulate any sort of relationship forming at those events. What makes this a little different than some of those events is a couple of things. Number one, the only way you can connect is if you hold your phone next to another phone, which eliminates again, eliminates some scalability, but also creates what we believe is a more genuine relationship. You had to have met that person. What's the range on that? The range is six inches. Six inches. Wow. Okay. So you really do have to hold it right next to each other. You really okay. do to enforce that face-to-face. -face. And that's one constraint. 
that succeed or fail, we are going to hold on to because it's our it's a core belief. We really believe that meeting that person face to face generates some sort of a different relationship long term. Um, and we want to be the people with that data. And the other piece that differentiates us is our approach, our distribution model is at college career fairs or recruiting events where there's an employer and student relationship currently. We do not, we've been approached by other companies that hold events for salespeople or conferences or things of that nature, which I know um, there's other companies around this city that are very good at that. (laughs) One that just got a massive funding financing around, but the way we differentiate ourselves away from that is that model of distribution through schools and that relationship between the student and the employer currently. Why is that so important to you? Which aspect? The having to meet face-to-face? Uh, not even having them be face-to-face, but like, why not do, I mean, so because you, you could still do in-person at an event, you could still do a sales event at a conference, right? With people who aren't students and aren't employers. Why, why the focus on that relationship? So one reason, because not everyone's doing it. I think this is a area that we, I mean, I haven't found competitors. There may be some out there in different areas of the country, but for right now, I know in the Midwest, we're very, that narrow focus helps us refine the approach. And when we go into any university event or any recruitment event, we know exactly what we're doing. And it took a long time to figure out that process. So if we can continue to scale that process out, we can be absolute masters at that initial, you know, student employer relationship at in-person events. I love that answer. I was having breakfast with uh, Jason Becker earlier this week. And uh, while we were talking, he was giving me an update on on one of his businesses. And he mentioned a whole strategy change after reading a book called Niche Down, which I just purchased. I've, it's on my nightstand. I haven't read it yet, but it's in my to-do list. And the, But the whole premise is basically as you look at a market, your job as you think of product is to get smaller and smaller and smaller, right? More and more and more focused, right? So you just keep niching down until you hit the core customer that you feel like you can scale with. And it's uh, what you just described is is kind of that, at least as he described the book to me, is, is kind of that process. Uh, so I'm super excited to read it. And, uh, and it, so I, I think your answer was great. It's an answer that he has used in uh, one of his businesses to be ridiculously successful uh, in, in the short term. So that's, that's cool. Thank you. That book sounds awesome too. I wanna... I'll, I'll hand it over to you when I'm done with it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's pretty thin. So I'm hopeful it's going to be a short read. Perfect. I might knock that one out in a week. Perfect. Um, all right. Sorry, I cut you no, off. No, no worries. Um, it, it is difficult. That it, like that f- type of focus is I'm already feeling it. We're all, we're a four person team and a small company, but we get new opportunities thrown at us daily and it, it's, it's hard to say no to them, but it's, I think it's very important. We get new opportunities thrown at us from investor, you know, people that have helped us tremendously. And it's, I mean, we know that we need to be very focused on this initial piece the, the way I keep saying it to our team is we got to sell our books first, meaning Jeff Bezos, Amazon was not, you know, this massive, massive company initially. They sold books. So for Fuse Me, we got to sell our books first. We have to get this student employer relationship right first. I love that. Got to sell our books first. That's good. 
This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Talk to me about where you think, uh, ideally, not, maybe not where you think it'll be, but I, and ideally, where do you think this business would be? three to five years from now, what do you think the product looks like? Who do you think your customers are? What what would that success look like for you? So I don't think we'll be outside of the employer university or employer student relationship yet. That would be interesting if we scaled fast enough to be approaching other markets, but absolute saturation of that market, getting to every single university, creating partnerships with them. Because again, universities... They may not pay us, but they still get a lot of value out of those, that data. So if we can maintain good relationships with the universities across the country, maybe overseas someday, and um, continue to pump out, you know, fuse me users out of these universities and fusing and utilizing our software with these employers, that's the goal the next three to five years. When you think of that scale, give, give me an idea, maybe three to five years from now, what scale looks like, maybe before I make an assumption. Yeah. So right now, this fall that's coming up is, you know, the new, a new recruitment cycle. And it's going to be very focused on Indiana universities. We've had other universities in Michigan, Ohio, Illinois begin to reach out to us just organically, which has been cool. But it's about continuous figuring out that process of those fairs, not having to have a physical presence there to make sure they they're working and being able to find those pieces to scale before we go and say yes to a, a big school in Illinois or a big school in uh, Michigan. So I think over the next year, it's complete saturation of Indiana next two to three years, Midwest, maybe a little further. And then eventually the U S I, I mean, I think that, uh, right now is the approach could change. Yeah. When you think about that scale, if you, so if you really have, you know, that many fuses happening for a geographic region or, you know, even, even you may find over time that you, you're a better fit for certain types of colleges, right. Based on the certain types of employers that are gravitating to this technology. Right. Whatever the case may be, I mean, I have to imagine at some point an applicant tracking system is going to come to you and say, gee, this would be a great feature within our product set, right? Like, what's your answer to that? Because it, because one of the things that I think is interesting about what you've outlined as your market, it is, it is very, it is very niche, right? So when you look at somebody like Lever or Bullhorn or, you know, insert one of the mammoth players in that recruitment space. And if you have any sort of traction, they're going to be attracted to that, right? Like what's your answer to, Hey, we'd like your feature in our product suite, or do you have plans to broaden the product suite over time to where you're maybe doing some of the things that they're doing? If they were to talk to us about 
some sort of or becoming part of their product suite, we definitely have that conversation. What I think is very interesting about us and on a, the technology side, what, what differentiates us is not we're not an ATS. We are the initial thing that you utilize when you meet someone new. Being in this recruitment space, a lot of people have talked to us about building out feature sets to go compete with the ATSs, the applicant tracking system, applicant tracking systems, CRMs, whatever they're use, whatever those employers are using. There are so many applicant tracking systems. Hundreds. Yeah. We learn new ones every day. Right. <laughs> Our approach is integration right now. Um, we have a general solution um, with a CSV file from your fuses. So if you if an employer purchases a fuse me bucket, they can download a CSV and plug it into any applicant tracking system they currently use. This is helping us with our pitches to employers as well, because what we're seeing is they all have something and they do not want to mess up their current process. So we slide right into their current process and integrate with any system they currently utilize. And I think that's what's made us valuable in this space so far. Um, I, I hope that we can maintain that approach moving forward instead of going to try to compete with these ATSs who have been around forever. Has anybody else tried to go into one of the colleges that you're at today and displace you and take that space that you're in? Any competitors? Not yet. Okay. So let's imagine three to five years from now, that'll start to happen. What do you think that looks like in terms of your pitch to the college from a retention perspective and how you keep them? Like what's your moat that is going to make you sticky with that college? So I started, started to think about this because I, once we... I mean, if we continue to have the, the traction that, we, that we're showing and it projects positively, there are going to be people that go and try to do this. What we've started to do is the Fuse Me bucket is also very good for other organizations within the university, which kind of sol- helps to solidify that relationship with the university. For example, if a career services team buys a Fuse Me bucket, they can now track student engagement with their career service team, which is a data point that they have trouble with right now. They can also track opt-in in order for the school to send what used to be a resume book, but now fuse me links to those two employers looking for talent. So a school like Butler University, which is a very much our home base, we're working on them with with them on having and giving them a fuse me bucket so that anyone that on their career service team can go meet a student, meet with the student, fuse with them, take notes on them, track their student's resume, the cloud-based resume. If they don't, if, if an employer is looking for, you know, the junior marketing majors from Butler University, Butler goes in their bucket, downloads that list, sends it off to the employer and them, the student fusing with the career service member is the opt-in into that. Um, That's one thing that we're working on. Another piece of this is on the admission side. Um, We actually are doing a pilot and here's, here's where that, that focus starts to kind of, we have to be weary of the focus because we can, we can generate revenue in other, in other markets. We're already seeing that Um, university of Evansville, their admissions team is piloting fuse the fuse me bucket this year. They, they just bought one. As part of admissions? As part of admissions. Unpack that. What 
What yeah. are they doing? So they are their admissions team. We just had a a meeting with them last week explaining to the whole team on how to utilize it wherever their admissions counselors are. And whenever they meet a, a high school senior, they're fusing with the high school senior and then it's all going in, into their admissions um, bucket. And then they put that feed straight into Slate. Slate's like the admissions tool that a lot of colleges use. Um, so again, it's like it's like the ATS of the college market where we're not trying to displace it, we're just integrating. So that we are that initial touch point from an admission side. You got to go get some NFL's talent scouts or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> New market. Yeah. yeah. Keep, no, sorry. Keep going. But but that I mean, it, it makes me nervous um, because I think they're going to find some a lot of success with it, and they're very stoked to use it this year. It's just we need to stay. We need to remain focused on that college, um, the student employer market, because that's I think that's where we're going to generate the most revenue, and I think. The admissions team is just, that happens later. It just organically occurs because everyone's utilizing FuseMe. On the career service side, I think that the, the bucket is very useful for the, for the career service team. And they think it is too, in order to track those students, you know, cloud resumes. And it also, you know, if they're using it, it kind of, it helps us maintain that relationship even more because they're using our software. Great answer. That is a very well thought out answer to uh, what I thought was kind of a tough question. It was good. Thank you. All right. I, pra- you, I practiced. <laughs> how, how long? No, you didn't. How long, uh, how long have you guys been doing this? When did you guys start? We put out the initial application that looked nothing like this one in October 2017. And we incorporated a year later, October 2018. So with this model and like an actual business, um, about a year. Right. But two years overall. Two years overall. So reflect back for me over those last two years, what are maybe your top two or three kind of learnings where you're like either, uh, I'll give you a couple of flavors here, either if you would have told me I would have known how to do this two years ago, I would have laughed at you, right? Or this was really hard and is still really hard and struggling through it and learning more about it, but excited to do so, right? It turns out that this was one of the biggest challenges we faced over the last two years. And I I would have completely never even expected that to be one of the challenges in starting a business. Anything that comes to mind and is kind of a top one, two, three items on that list? I think I learned a lot about not just the business, but myself. I I guess it, it would come out through my recommendation to people that want to do this. So I, I, I'll try to work it back to an answer, um, a good answer. So a lot of people like dealing with colleges, a lot of people will come and ask me, should we, should, like, how do I start a business? Or they're really excited about doing it and everything like that. And I used to be, yeah, you know, this is the, you got to do this. This is the thing. <laughs> you got freedom. All You know, it, it is the opposite. It's the opposite. And I, I do, I turn people away from this now, but the other piece that I learned is this is the only thing that I will always be doing is building businesses and technology and engineering and building products. I'm absolutely in love with it, but I think it takes that to be able to withstand all of the bullshit that you get every day. And I think that's the biggest lesson I learned through all this is I will never stop. And 
a lot, you know, things are going to come our way where it feels like we should stop. It's like a curse, I guess. I think that, and a lot of people that I've met that have been successful at this have, have tried to turn me away from it as well. And I always didn't understand why. Now I do. Did I try to talk you out of this at one point? A little bit. Did yeah. I? All yeah. right. Right yeah. on. Good. Yeah. Good for me. Uh -huh. Good. You actually, you said, <laughs> I've seen this pitch, the same pitch seven times. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to say that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, I've seen the same thing. So, but you, I, you were kind of, you were excited about it. I mean, you were like, you had some traction. So your, at the time your, I, I mean, one, I was excited. You guys were actually using it. You had customers, um, your, that crystal clear focus on the student and that the relationship of that student to potential employers, I think is a big differentiator. I think all of the other pitches were a watered down version of, well, LinkedIn is broken. So we're going to be the better LinkedIn right? And just use your phone instead of business cards. Like that is a crappy pitch, right? And LinkedIn will be the next LinkedIn, right? Like you're, you're not going to replace them. So I, I think the, the fact that you, you and your team could articulate a vision that was independent of that, like, like we're not trying to be a LinkedIn killer. We don't care, right? We're focused on this market and this customer. And that is the thing that got me excited in terms of, oh, well, that that is a much, much more sophisticated look at the market that you're in and the and the competitors you're going to come up against and how you need to think about differentiating. So I, I mean, that was the piece that was really interesting to me. Well, thank you. I hope that we can keep pushing forward on that. And I got to add to my last um, piece too. It's not just the, the realization of that I won't stop is also my brother won't stop. He's, he's, he's nuts. And I think that's what it takes. We also, we have a fantastic team. There's, it's four of us now. My brother, uh, my roommate, my brother, Ben, my roommate, Jeff, and Eric is our, a friend that we actually, we pitched him. He was running a student run marketing organization on Butler's campus. And he ended up coming on, turning down a couple other job offers and coming on board. And I feel like we all have pretty good, pretty high pain tolerance, which is very, very helpful. And surrounding yourself with other people with that mentality has been, I mean, that's, it's not, it can't be done with one person. You know, these, uh, it's a great team. It's a great team of people. Yeah. What are you trying to learn right now? I am trying to learn how to manage and scale that team while doing my daily operations kind of find trying to find myself again within the organization as it takes on a, a new new paths i've always been an operator now i see that people want to look to me for answers and i need to be more of a leader still i love operating so i'm trying to i am i'm trying to find myself within the organization and i think i wrote it down on my to-do list find leadership books <laughs> you guys that's awesome the irony of putting a to-do list item of finding a leadership book is priceless. <laughs> yeah. So have you guys played around with traction at all? Are you familiar with traction? I'm not. So it's a, it's a great book. Uh, it's a book called traction by Gino Wickman and he's written some sequels to it since uh, it basically outlines this thing called the entrepreneurship operating system, entrepreneur operating system. And uh, it's a framework for how to run a business um, where you basically have a visionary person, an integrator, a number, there's a number of roles in it. It's basically, instead of thinking of like a classic org chart, right? Where you have these buckets and people report up to different people in the org chart. You, instead, you have an accountability chart. 
and uh, which can be a lot flatter, right? It's not about who reports to who. It's really who's supposed to be doing what and what does that mean and who do they inform and who do they need to involve in those decisions. It's a pretty, it's gotten a ton of traction. I mean, it's gotten a pun intended. It's gotten a ton of traction in general, but it's really taken off in tech businesses because it's very accessible to a bunch of way. I think agile teams work naturally. Um, so it's, it, that would be the one I'd put on the top of your list, particularly with what you said you're struggling with. Maybe that visionary role, thinking about it a little differently might help you in terms of like, it's one of the things I need to be doing, but doesn't replace this other identity of integrator. Or it may even, because when you flip away from looking at it from an org chart perspective, you may even say, look, maybe I'm not the visionary. Maybe that should be Jeff or some, like, you know, it doesn't all have to be you and it, and that and whoever owns that can change over time that's one of the other it should cool probably things. be Ben. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no nah, he, he he's i i do find his um logical understanding of things very good but he's also the best at product so interesting yeah yeah but it, it's something it's a it's a pretty quick read for you and the team and there's tons of supporting tools and documents and templates and stuff like that online that you can find for free we use it in a couple of our businesses. We don't use it in a couple of others. It depends on the team and, and the and the business, but it's that's one of the first places I would point you. Awesome. Thank you. I'm, I'm checking it out. And there's tons of traction integrators out there and I think people who can come help you set it up and stuff like that. But I would say start by getting a copy of the book, read it. If you like it, force everybody else on the team to read it. And then you guys come together and talk about it and see if it makes sense. Awesome. It's good. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a that might be a good place to stop. If people want to get a hold of you or learn more about Fuse Me, where do they do that? So we have a website that's very bare men. Um, yeah, we're building a new website. <laughs> uh, as you, we, you've got two weeks before this goes live, so may, maybe you get it up in two. Oh, weeks. it'll be up. It'll be up. Cool. All right, then um, you have a beautiful website. Done today. Where, where yeah. can people find it? Yeah. So fusemeapp.com. F U S E M E app.com and if they want to get a hold of you um linkedin or twitter or facebook at anywhere anywhere you can you can reach out to me and i'll i'll respond or uh my email is brody b-r-o-d-i-e at fusemeapp.com yeah or find me at an event we can fuse nice yeah awesome all right man thank you so much for coming on the podcast thanks for having me mike appreciate it If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.